This is Sandy Moore, host of A Real Piece of Art, and today we'll be talking about the John A. MacDonald statue in Victoria Park. A Real Piece of Art is a radio show about art exhibitions in and around Regina, primarily in nonprofit professional exhibition spaces. The aim of A Real Piece of Art is to ask questions that anyone can use to analyze, interpret, make judgments about, and hopefully understand works of art. We also address some lesser-known aspects of the art world, all the jobs that people do within it, and what they are. So let's get on with the show, one that will hopefully have you saying, that's a real piece of art. The John A. MacDonald statue is a work of public art, so you can see it in Victoria Park anytime. I urge you to visit it and look at it critically, both as a sculpture and to examine the messages inherent in the sculpture's form. The John A. MacDonald statue is the subject of today's episode. We'll discuss why people object to this sculpture of Canada's first Prime Minister as an endorsement of actions, beliefs, and policies that are not acceptable today, and how the sculpture is a painful reminder of past harms. Once again, I'm recording and editing this episode of A Real Piece of Art from home and over Zoom. So the audio quality might be a little different from what you are used to hearing on this show. I, for one, am using a pair of $5 earbuds with a built-in microphone that I purchased at a gas station to record this show. I'll also note here that I am completely in awe of my amazing guests, Alex King, David Garneau, and Jérôme Melanson, and I have no doubt that their insightful words will more than make up for the dicey audio quality of this episode of A Real Piece of Art. First, RT and I will venture to Regina's Victoria Park to observe, analyze, and assess the John A. MacDonald sculpture created in 1967 by Sonia Grammaison with assembly and soldering assistant from John Nugent. So, RT, thank you for coming to Victoria Park with me. It's been a while since we've been able to check out any art exhibitions at galleries around the city and province in person. So today we're looking at a work of public art and one that's really important right now. So when you look at this uh, statue of John A. MacDonald, what is the first thing you notice about it? The material. It looks heavy and bulky. The blackness of the statue seems absolute like the weight of it sucks in all light. Do you like it? I can't say that I do. It looks stiff and awkward, more like a gargantuan mannequin than a bronze effigy of an actual person frozen in time. It's not terrible but also not terribly memorable or impressive. Sometimes the title of an artwork is a clue to its meaning. Do you think that's the case here? John McDonald, father of Confederation. Well, it tells me that the statue depicts this person, and that John McDonald was considered by those who erected this statue anyways, as responsible for creating a united Canada, one that is largely the nation we know today. What kinds of colors are used? The uniform lustreless brown slash black of unpolished and unpatented bronze. What materials are used? Bronze on a cement pedestal. What is the scale? The pedestal that the sculpture stands on is fairly low. The figure of John and MacDonald appears proportionate but heroic in scale, much larger than life. If I stand on the pedestal, my head reaches a statue's waist. This daunting stature seems to convey the message of political might. What is depicted in this statue? A man, John MacDonald, 
His long wavy hair and prominent nose are familiar from the portrait of this first Prime Minister of Canada from $10 bills I have seen. His cravat and frock coat tell me that he is from the 1800s. He is awkwardly positioned thrusting a rolled document forward in one hand and pulling at his waistcoat pocket with the other while staring into the future. Is the scroll the Proclamation of Confederation? How is it made, or how do you think it was made? It is bronze, so the artist, Sonia de Grand Maison, sculpted the statue out of clay, then encased this in plaster to make a mold. Molten metal is poured into the mold where it fills a space vacated by the melted wax. How does this sculpture express feelings and represent social issues? Sculpture seems to be about paying homage to someone who has power. McDonald is not aggressive or warlike in this depiction, nor is he idealized. I don't think the statue, which was made in 1967, was made with political intent other than to celebrate Canada's centennial. However, now the sculpture has a political dimension, as the sculpture of John and McDonald embodies the harm perpetrated by Canada as a colonial power and the political acts of McDonald himself, including curtailing freedoms and driving assimilation of indigenous peoples. His order to execute Louis Riel the leader of the Northwest Rebellion in Regina and racist policies towards Asian immigrants. It's true, the meaning of this statue has sort of changed over time, and although this statue fails to make an impression on me in some ways, it's important to recognize that art has the power to affect people and communicate important messages. It is a visceral and harmful reminder of wrongs committed in the name of creating united and, let's face it, white and Anglo-European Canada, and expressed in the form of a magnanimous giant, political power personified. Most recently, Evening Star Andreas and Kelly Belgard Openicha called for the statue's removal. We'll speak with three authors of an open letter supporting these activists' call for the statue's removal today. Instead of talking with someone about their job in the art world, today I'm seeking more information and perspectives about the John A. McDonald statue from three people who authored a letter in support of Kelly Belgard, Upenicha, and Evening Star Andreas's call to remove the statue as a symbol of change and recognition of the power that symbols hold to shape our thoughts and remind us of painful things. I'll let Alex King, David Garneau, and Jérôme Melanson introduce themselves. My name is David Garneau. I'm a professor of visual arts at the University of Regina. And my motivation for uh, co-signing this letter that Alex um, so artfully crafted was sort of an emotional response to the statue of Johnny McDonald, Victoria Square Park, when it first moved here 21 years ago, and have uh, had a simmering feud with the, the metal man ever since. My name is Alex King. I'm a curator. Um, I work at the University of Regina. I'm from England originally. I moved here about eight years ago. So I, I'm a, a recent uh, immigrant and uh, uninvited guest here. Sort of as part of my interest in heritage, I have a museum background and also kind of ongoing efforts to think about decolonization, particularly given my own personal background and relationship to Regina, I am here very much because of colonialism. Um, I was uh, very keen to support the efforts by the activists who were calling for the removal of the John A. McDonald statue. 
My name is uh, Jerome Lanson. I'm an uh, Associate Professor of uh, French and Francophone Intercultural Studies at the University of Regina. My background is in uh, political philosophy, political representations. I'm also a poet, very concerned with the aesthetics of uh, urban life. I honestly find the statue quite ugly, both politically and um, aesthetically. I'm also very uh, aware of the responses that people can have to this kind of public art. So for me, it's important to support those who express this uh, desire and need to change the urban landscape so that we can have a more just collective life in this way. Why did you write the open letter in support of Peli Bellegarde, Upenichwa, and Evening Star Andreas's protest to have the statue removed and their uh, request to meet with the city of Regina? Uh, well, I was... Uh, walking downtown sort of towards the beginning of the the peaceful protests that were occurring around the statue and had a discussion with the organizers there. I'd been thinking about white supremacy in Canada and I was trying to uh, think of uh, ways to support those efforts. And through those conversations I had with the um, activists there, it seemed that they weren't, or they certainly felt that they weren't really um, supported. Uh, to sort of support those actions, it might be helpful possibly to have voices from um, the historical and heritage uh, and arts communities in Regina. I approached David to see if he thought if that would be a good idea or not, uh, and he was in agreement. And then uh, we worked together very closely um, with Jerome to craft this, this letter, sort of in an attempt to represent all those voices and, yeah, uh, present it to the city of Regina. For myself, um, I, um, I was very grateful that Elliot um, uh, and David uh, reached out to me. Um, I've been um, arguing for some time for statues like those of Johnny McDonald, but others like uh, um, La Vérandrie as well, who's very much celebrated um, out in uh, Winnipeg or out uh, in Quebec. Um, these uh, figures who re represent more than just themselves, but there's, there's the legacy of their actions, but there's all of colonialism and, and slavery, um, in the case of the that, that, that are um, attached to the, these figures. Um, so it was important to me to um, lend support to those who are doing the, the very difficult work of bringing attention to this uh, here in, in Regina, here in, in the community, and doing the kind of action that will actually bring the attention of decision makers to do more than just argue, but really build a movement around it. Um, and I found that very inspiring and was very glad that I could um, lend my voice uh, to this, uh, um, this attempt at changing things. Um, for myself, it seemed like a a logical outcome of uh, kind of years of reaction. Jerome had talked about the statue being public art, but is it really just propaganda? So I tried to trace some of the facts and money was raised after John A's death and uh, really nobody was interested out here in putting up a statue. It wasn't until 1967, so I assumed that it was a centennial project. But most remarkably, so there isn't another John A. statue. There's no statue in all of Alberta, nowhere else in, in Saskatchewan, none in Manitoba, none in Western Ontario, and none in BC. There was one in Victoria, but as an act of reconciliation, they removed it. So the fact of it being planted here in Regina is absolutely a colonial provocation. And when I moved here, you know, it's in Victoria Square. Uh, we're the Queen City, Regina. And I realized that, yeah, this is a colonial city. You know, all of these efforts are made to transplant here. 
it just is kind of weak ass, you know, it's no Victoria. I think it's important to see it as a, as a monument, right? So it's not meant to be just a sculpture. It is public art insofar as it is still sculpted. It does stand there for something. It does have political reasons. The timing of it makes us think about the centennial and the celebration of the creation of Canada. So we have to ask which Canada specifically what was created, what kind of policies were put in place at that time, and what that statue stands for. When we put up statues that show public figures, we celebrate those figures. Uh, whether we want to or not, often uh, we're stuck with them as some public, public property. More than that, we erect a monument to an idea or to a, a set of ideas that attach that figure. So the vision of Canada that MacDonald embodies in this case is today, you know, inescapably, we can't pretend that we don't know it, that it's not there. It is colonial Canada. It is the, the very worst of colonialism. It's the residential schools. It's the, the clearing of the plains through, through famine. It's not just a, a work of art, a mediocre uh, work of art, as uh, David pointed out. Um, it does stand for something more. You're listening to A Real Piece of Art on CJTR 91.3 FM, Regina Community Radio. Today, we are talking about the John A. MacDonald statue in Regina's Victoria Park. I was wondering if you could read the open letter you wrote to the city of Regina in support of their protest and uh, request for the removal of the statue. Something I learned as a, someone who doesn't do a lot of activist work is that even something as simple as writing a public letter <laughs> can take a lot of time and we wanted to make sure that people were happy with it. I'll read it to you here. So this was from July 2nd, 2020, an open letter to Mayor Fougere and Regina City Council. Dear Mayor Fougere and City Councillors, as members of the cultural and heritage communities in Regina, we support the call by Evening Star Andreas, Kerry Belgard Apunachor, and other activists for the city of Regina to remove the John A. Macdonald statue from Victoria Park. We commend the city for acknowledging the harmful presence of the statue and for initiating a consultation process. It is clear that John A. Macdonald's legacy of orchestrating a campaign of extreme violence against indigenous peoples eclipses any and all of his other actions or achievements. Macdonald's white supremacist vision included oppressive policies toward Chinese settlement in order to maintain the Orion character of the nation. He oversaw the implementation of the PAR system, which essentially incarcerated First Nations people on reserves, and a program of managed starvation that forced more than 10,000 into treaty and onto reserves. Once there, Macdonald oversaw the permit system, that barred reserve farmers from the commercial economy for decades. His introduction of the Indian residential school system initiated over 100 years of deprivation, abuse, and death, described not only in the findings of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, but in the words of Su Supreme Court Chief Justice Beverly McLaughlin as cultural genocide. The violation of indigenous human rights in Canada, however, did not end when MacDonald died. It lives on as a direct and persistent legacy from the daily reality of racism and inequality to the presence of a prominent monument that glorifies one of its most significant figureheads. We cannot ignore or erase this history, nor its impact on the present through fictionalized representations. This is recognized not only by mainstream historians, artists, and educators, but citizens across the country. 
Because the downtown presence of this statue acts as a monument to one of the key per perpetrators of Canada's genocidal history, its visibility actively contributes to ongoing trauma, particularly for Indigenous peoples who live, work and gather in the area. It presents Macdonald's genocidal actions as laudable, or at best, forgettable and forgivable, or something we can ignore. As a result, its presence suggests that, the, that contemporary acts of racist and colonial violence could just as easily be dismissed. We recognize both the power and limitations of critical context and are aware that a plaque cannot undo the presence and intention of an artwork. For these reasons, providing information on a plaque falls short. The city's bylaws state that such public artworks are intended to enhance a park or open space or benefit the public. We ask, which public does the display of this statue benefit and at whose expense? Public monuments are meant to say something about who we are collectively, what we value, what actions from the past and the present guide our own. This statue, unveiled in 1967, celebrates a vision of the country that promoted Aryan purity and superiority through racist policies. It furthers the erasure of indigenous peoples and celebrates a man whose notable tie to the city is the hanging of Louis Riel, which took place nearby. His legacy is also connected to Edgar Dudney, who oversaw the starvation of the indigenous peoples of the plains and in residential schools. Several options remain available and may include several of the following. Finding an alternative site where citizens and visitors would have a greater degree of choice and control around whether to interact with the statue with proper labeling and responses. Storage, covering up during the process and or long-term storage. Donating the statue to a museum, which will be willing to undertake the proper steps to display it in context and with appropriate responses. Replacement, so as to allow for greater visibility for indigenous communities. No matter which option is pursued, the most essential component will be to undertake good faith consultation with indigenous communities as they have been most directly harmed by the continuing legacy represented by this statue a process the city has already begun. This must include the participation of appropriate indigenous knowledge holders and leaders who are recognized by a diversity of communities, as well as the artist representatives, if willing to participate. The city's public legacy review will also play an important role. While the decision to address the statue's presence lies with the city, what should be done with it requires a meaningful process that demonstrates the city's willingness to transform its own systemic racism and to learn. There is also a great opportunity here to exemplify the city's commitment to the Regina Cultural Plan. The suggested actions align with its goals, particularly to embrace cultural diversity, the need to foster intercultural dialogue and exchange across all communities in order to combat racism and to raise awareness of Regina's rich and diverse past, present and collective future. More generally, the commitment to remove this statue would demonstrate that the city of Regina values the indigenous caretakers and inhabitants on, of the land on which it sits. In call to action number 82, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission signaled the role of monuments within reconciliation efforts. The city of Regina can contribute by considering commissioning, commissioning a monument of its own. However, this gesture would be hollow without addressing the statue that now stands in the heart of the city. Statues are not records of history. Instead, histories in all their complexity are preserved and understood through archives, oral traditions, discursive, inclusive, and critical curricula, published perspectives through various media, audio and visual broadcasts, and programming within galleries, museums, and cultural spaces. We recognize our duty to ensure the past is not forgotten and that historical and contemporary truths are brought to light. 
During this time of global momentum around the place of colonialist and white supremacist monuments in our communities, we, the undersigned, echo and support the call to remove this statue. Excellent. There's so many pieces of that that I think really express things so well and happy to have the full text available in this episode of A Real Piece of Art. How would you respond to many people who defend the statue of John A. MacDonald by saying that he also did uh, some good things? Why that is not a legitimate defense, maybe, of the statue? I mean, just rounding up the arguments. One is, I I haven't heard anybody defend that particular piece of metal, right? I would like to hear them defend it as art. Easy to blow that one out of the water (laughs) just by comparing it to other effigies that are all better looking. And then the question about um, its location. So its meaning has its location. The fact that it's in the site of the clearing of the plains and Riel's execution. Why would you defend its location in here and at the center of the city? What is that saying about the city? And then what is the objection to recontextualizing it in a place where I think he'd feel more at home, you know, as a kindness to that entity? Where would he feel more at home? Because it's not there. And then how would we feel, Métis and First Nations people particularly, at home in Victoria Square Park? I think we'd feel differently when we're thinking about Condor Mountain Monument. Speaking personally, I mean, I wouldn't really care if it was melted uh, down. (laughs) But I do think, you know, from my sort of museological part of my brain, it is interesting as an object, but it's uh, most interesting to me because of the conversations that are happening happening around it now. Uh, This is undoubtedly the most interesting time in its existence because it says so much about where we are as a country, uh, what's happening in the world. There have been objections to the sculpture for quite a while. There were sort of formal petitions that came about a couple of years ago as well. It seems that they didn't get a lot of traction, unfortunately. But it's part of this global movement. I would like to see it probably in a museum with um, appropriately contextualized language. But that's the other question. I mean, the future of these objects, these very, very complicated, painful objects, what do we do with them? This is part of the legacy that we have to deal with. Um, nobody wants it. Is there an appropriate space in Regina? We don't, I don't think we have a city museum or anything. It's, would it be appropriate to Mackenzie? I'm not sure, um, because it's not really a work of art. Um, so we're sort of like lacking for space and willingness to take it at this point. I'm very happy to see that the city is not only engaging with elders and knowledge keepers uh, about this process, but they're also opening this up for community discussion as well with their review engagement. So anyone listening to this who who would like to contribute to that, I think that's going to be a, a very valuable part of the process as well. Wanted to add, kind of a from an indigenous point of view, um, because effigy making of this sort is certainly not um, a practice of the plains. There really aren't traditional protocols to deal with this sort of thing. So I turn to contemporary indigenous folks who wrestle with it, and the person who comes to mind is Peter Morin, who, in various parts of his practices, he will sing to. Um, objects that belongings from his nation. He did this piece where he collected all the racist books he could get. He and uh, other people with him uh, were washing each page of each book with medicine, with tea, and they were singing and drumming. And when I asked him about this, he said that he needed to respect the fact that uh, the books once were trees and that 
however wrong-headed these books were, they were the effort, they were the labor of people. Uh, something we need to think about is whether it needs to stay in Regina. With that, I would like to say thank you, Jerome, David, Alex. Thank you so much for joining me on A Real Piece of Art. Thank you for listening to A Real Piece of Art on CJTR 91.3 FM, Regina Community Radio. I'm your host, Sandy Moore. Today we talked about the John A. Macdonald statue in Victoria Park. If you want to keep learning and participating in discussion about this statue, I urge you to visit regina.ca slash parks, recreation, culture, slash arts, culture, slash public art collection, slash legacy review to learn more about the city's legacy review and to view the petition at change.org. That's www.change.org slash p slash Regina City Hall. Let's remove the John A. McDonald statue in Regina, Sask. I also urge you to attend a panel discussion over Zoom on August 20th. It's called Removing McDonald, Indigenous Experiences of a Legacy and a Statue. Go to uregina.ca for a Zoom webinar link. Special thanks to Guy Wire for the fantastic music used throughout this episode. Be sure to check out the A Real Piece of Art Facebook group and Instagram account, Real Piece of Art 2019, for show updates and images. Love podcasts? Listen to podcasted episodes of A Real Piece of Art by searching the show title on iTunes Podcast, going to soundcloud.com slash realpieceofart, listen on the CJTR app or the free radio player Canada app.